0: Hey, Al. Hey, Barry. Why did the Oathbreaker Paladin need to buy a life alert? Why? Because she's fallen and she can't get up. It's time for Compelled Duel! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Compelled Duel. I'm Barry. And I'm Al. And we are a single-player, co-DM'd D&D 5e actual play podcast. Previously on Compelled Duel. He coughs up a good bit of blood. You want me dead, last, you'll have to try a little harder than that.
1: <laughs> Sweetie, I'm just getting warmed up. He grabs the captain and thundersteps them up on top of the main mast.
0: I had her on the ropes. You didn't shut up and sit down. I've got an idea. I need cover fire and crowd control. Get everybody to the front of the ship. Can do. I'm going to cast a storm sphere
1: over the entire back half of the ship.
0: Leo runs up and throws up an anti-life shell to keep anyone else from escaping down off the upper deck. (laughs) (laughs) You're all out of your fucking minds And you I, I think you're the saddest one of all Believe you me when the chips are down When it really matters The Stormbringer's not gonna help you Just like she didn't help me Will you please do something about this man before I kill him? What part would you like to start with? The part where you knowingly got into a relationship with two people who've been trying to kill each other for the last 15 years? Or the part where we both care about you so much that we actually stopped trying to kill each other? I would like to focus on the fact that you both love me. It's kind of a new feeling, I'm getting used to it. (sighs) You and me both. I made a promise to love Sabine with my whole heart, but the thing is, with this, with all of us, I think my whole heart's big enough that it's going to take two people to carry it. I think it's about time we all got this sorted out properly.
1: Well past time, but better late than never. And then feet walks off to
2: find Savine.
0: The Banshee sails its way out of the Zephyr Isles, making its way through nasty, stormy weather for about half of your journey towards Gimtarum. The further you get from the Isles, the weather clears up, you pass through the Dragon's Maw, predictably unaccosted, since you are on the ship that was doing most of the accosting to people. Fi, you and the Captain and Sabine have been spending most of your time that you are not actively helping to sail the ship, uh, getting your shit together. As a thruple, as it were. The captain and Sabine have definitely changed their respective tunes toward one another. They're being like married and stuff now. Sometimes they kiss, it's weird.
1: Weird is not the word one Ms. Ferora Valine would use.
0: <laughs> no, but it is the word that one Mr. Laeril Valsine would use, and does, at length. You've been at sea for a couple weeks at this point, and I think our camera zooms in on you below decks, actually, sitting with Lorelei Shakrana, who is very animatedly showing you a moth that she caught in the hold and explaining its entire life cycle to you in depth. She's been a little bummed out since all of you left the rest of the fleet and she had to say goodbye to glasses, so this is the most animated you've seen her in a while. You're indulging her quite a bit. And actually, do you know why it was able to survive in the hold for so long? It's because most species of adult moths actually don't eat. They just kind of emerge from their chrysalis, fly around, mate, lay eggs, and then die. This species actually doesn't even have a mouth.
1: That is fascinating. Why did I need to know about the moth? I'm glad that you're telling me about the moth. I always, I love to hear you talk about moths. Why did I need to know about the moth?
0: She looks a little bummed out for a second. Well, it's just that I'd gotten used to talking entomology shop with glasses, and he's not around anymore, and I kind of miss him. He was really teaching me a lot about explosives as well. Did you know that gunpowder only has three ingredients, and all of them are very easy to source?
1: I'm not sure I like that you know that. How easy to sort? Never mind. Talk about it later. Thank you, and then feel like, pokes the moth with a finger. For the moth
0: facts. Oh, I'd say you're welcome, but we're actually just getting started. Did you know that moths are one of the most important pollinators, especially on the Australian continent? And then at that point, Leo opens the door to the room where you two are and kind of looks back and forth between you. Hey, girls, what are we up to? Lorelai holds up her little jar excitedly and goes, Hi, Leo, do you want to see my moth? You can visibly see Leo's war flashbacks to Oskaya going across his eyes, and he fully takes a step back from the doorway. I love you so much, Lorelai. Absolutely not. Fee, can you come help me with something for a second? Lorelai, you should defo stay down here with your moth. Alright, I go with him. He leads you out into the hallway and back up to the deck, at which point he bends down and picks up something with a clatter of metal. You look down and see that he has a pair of iron shackles in his hands. He goes, Hey, so I tried to get these on by myself, but it was really tricky. I think I'm gonna need your help with them. Hmm. Okay. Why the fuck? Well, see, I kinda had this idea. Well- technically it was Sabine's idea, Uh, technically it was both of our ideas, we were working on it together. She wanted to make the whole bum-rushing-the-blockade idea that we had a big performance.
2: Of course she did, and of course you went along with it.
0: I'm shaping up to be such good friends with your girlfriend. I'm very happy about this for all of us. It chills me to my core, but I'm, yeah... <laughs> Anyway, we were talking and Sabine was all like, oh, we should make this really convincing. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. You know, Defiance threatened to hang my head off the bowsprit and I'd appreciate if you didn't do that. And then Sabine was like, okay, well, what if we just put you in chains? And I was like, that's a great idea. So I, I found the chains, but I can't get them on. And we're getting close to the blockade, at least according to the captain up in the crow's nest.
1: No, yeah, this all tracks. You
2: found those chains in the brig? No, actually, we found him in Defiance's quarters. Huh. Cool. Disgusting. And then I'm gonna chain my brother up.
0: <laughs> you get Leo clapped in irons, and he leads you up to the bow of the ship, where Sabine is standing up next to the bowsprit, squinting at the horizon.
1: Fee's gonna raise her eyebrows at Sabine and go, So, dear, for this plan of yours, uh, should I be in shackles as well, or-
0: Sabine raises both eyebrows at you and goes, Hmm. Mm Mm-mm, that's bait. That's bait.
2: Sabine, would I ever bait you?
0: Yes, with gusto. Acknowledged. Moving on. From behind you, there is the sound of a weight rapidly descending down a rope, and then boots on the floorboards of the deck, and the captain comes stomping up the stairs to join the rest of you. Stop
1: repelling down things, you're going to break your ribs again.
2: He
0: smirks and shrugs at you. Aye, and if I do, that's why we've got Leo over here. And then he looks down at Leo, who is in the shackles, and his eyes go wide in unbridled horror. Lad, what the fuck were you doing in Defiance's
2: dresser? Leo blinks, looks down at the shackles, and
0: goes, Oh, ew.
2: Okay, let's wrap this
1: conversation up before I get overcome with the urge to throw myself overboard.
0: The captain is too busy pulling his hair up into a high, messy bun on top of his head to come at you with a comeback. He jams his hat down over his hair, and you can tell that he has done this so that the light won't catch the opalescence in it as you sail onwards. He turns around and leans over the railing down onto the main deck and yells at all of the deckhands scurrying around. Right, everyone! Make yourself scarce if you can! Keep your heads down if you can't! And all of the rest of the crew start doing this, either like pulling their hair up under hats or just fully going below decks. Sabine looks like she wants to make a witty remark, but then her eyes widen as she looks out off the bow of the ship. (sighs) Well, I'll be damned. There it is. You follow her gaze, and in the rapidly closing distance, you see a line. Of Australian ships. Fully outfitted Australian naval ships. There are enough of them that you figure it would be impossible for so much as a rowboat to make it off of the distant shores of Vogvoldor that you see shooting up through the mist beyond them. It is an incomprehensible show of force that you just instinctively know you would never make it through if you didn't have this plan to ride on. The captain reaches out and squeezes your shoulder with one hand and Sabine's with the other and then turns on his heel and runs back towards the helm. Sabine sucks her teeth a little bit, nods, and goes... All right, time for the show, everybody. She does this complicated little dance move where she stomps her feet in quick succession and spins around. You see her skirt flare out around her knees and then narrow into a pair of leather breeches and tall boots. And within a couple seconds, the spitting image of Vice Admiral Defiance is standing in between you and Leo on the deck. But then she opens her mouth and Sabine's voice comes out. Okay, let's hope this works. Should try to get the voice down. It's a lot more condescending. She looks back over at you with an expression that clearly says, Who the fuck do you think I am? And in an eerily good imitation of defiance, goes, Sweetheart, I've known her for way longer than you have. Trust me, I've got it down. Yeah. Nightmare fuel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she gives you a sympathetic look, and then in her own voice says, Okay, Leo, up to the front. Uh, Fee, you better come up there as well. Just stand there and look defeated, I guess. I think I could do that. From behind you, you hear the sound of a rope being pulled over a pulley and see an Australian flag being run up the mast. The closer you get to this blockade, one of the ships turns and starts to sail out to meet you. They're keeping a far enough distance. This ship is easily recognizable as the Banshee to them, but as they close the distance, you see a uniformed Australian naval officer with a spyglass pointed at the three of you from over the railing of his own ship. And he shouts across the distance between the two vessels, Vice Admiral! Successful as ever, I see! And Sabine shifts right back into Defiance's posture and voice and yells back, Don't act so surprised. I got what I came for and then she rattles Leo a little too hard next to her by the back of his neck. He even cleaned up a little bit of vermin in the process. Down below where the line of sight from this guy's Spyglass is, Leo kicks at her ankle a little bit and through gritted teeth goes, okay, tone it down, Sabine. And she rattles him a little harder. So here's what's gonna happen. All three of you are going to roll performance and I am going to average it as a group check against the DC I have set. Sabine is going to roll with advantage because of her disguise self spell. You and Leo are rolling straight. So let me roll for Sabine really quick. That is a 31 to performance from Sabine. Leo gets a nat 20. Leo puts on the most fucking convincing performance of his life. That's a 22. And Fi, go ahead and roll performance for me. You get a plus five. 14. Okay, so that's a group average of a 22 to performance. The DC was 15. You all put on a very convincing show. Fee, you put on the most defeated expression you can muster. Leo looks terrified for his own life, and Sabine is just playing defiance for all she is worth. This naval officer puts his spyglass away, salutes, and shouts back, We'll send word to the Archduke. I'm sure your payday on this is going to be extremely good. And Sabine, as defiance, with a faltering, fragile smile, says, That's what I'm counting on, as you were, and you are allowed to sail through this blockade. The captain waits until you are out of the line of sight of the blockade and way closer to the shore before he orders the crew to strike the colors, take the flag down, and takes his hat back off, lets his hair back down. He comes running up to the lot of you at the bow of the ship. Right! Good show, everyone! What next? Well, I mean, for
2: starters, what's gonna happen when Defiance turns up dead?
0: Sabine winces a little bit. I know I specified that we should take her alive if possible, but she did jump off her own ship, there wasn't a lot I could do about that, and I am... nothing if not adaptable. So, I think we should just ride our immunity for whatever it's worth and reevaluate when the situation changes.
1: By all means. And then he's going to turn to Leo and say, Any leads on friends we could stay with in the city?
0: A very complicated expression crosses Leo's face. Yeah, just give me a minute on that. I'll get back to you. And he fully walks off and goes below decks.
2: Leo, you go below decks. You pass Lorelai,
1: who's sitting on her bunk, fidgeting with one of her earplugs while the other one is in her ear, and she looks up
0: as you pass and goes, Leo, are you sure you don't want to see my moth? I'm so abundantly sure that I don't want to see your moth, Lorelai, but you can tell me all about it in, like, two hours, okay?
2: (sighs) Okay. You go past her. What are you doing?
0: Finding a private place for me to take the mental ass whooping I'm about to get with at least some semblance of dignity.
1: Oh, so you're going to go message Kalesa. Cool. What would you like to send?
0: Um, I'm actually going to send two sending spells. They're going to have the same content, but one I am sending to Kalesa and one I am sending to Ravain. So, yeah, let's just, oof, let's get the bad part over first. He sends his first one to Kalesa. The message says,
2: Hey,
0: it's Leo. I'm sorry. We're both alive, past the blockade and headed into Gimtarum, looking for somewhere to hang out and plan.
2: You available? There is a long, terrifying pause. And then...
1: Frostily, Kalesa replies, I'm not in Gimtarum. And that's the end of the sending. She does not say anything else
2: to you. Leo cringes super hard and goes, oh. Okay,
0: I'm going to send the exact same sending spell to Ravain.
1: Ravain replies almost instantly, what the fuck? It's been a year. Why didn't you get in touch with me
2: sooner? What is your damage? And then a couple of street names.
0: Leo fully cringes again and goes, Ooh! And then he's gonna go back up on deck and try to find Fee Fi and update her on the situation.
1: Fee is not hard to find. She is next to the mast with Sabine in what appears to be a very private conversation.
0: Hmm. Gross. Anyway, Kalesa's not in Gimtarum. That's the only information I was able to glean on that front. Sabine extricates
1: herself from Fee's arms (laughs) and raises both eyebrows and goes, Oh, well, I could have told you that. Uh, She and Fen and
2: what's the, the shitty one? Oh, Mia. They left the city pretty quickly after everything happened.
0: Cool. Would have been great to know that before I wasted magic on it. Anyway, there's a glimmer of hope. My friend Ravain is still in the city, and he has a house, I can only assume, after having been given an address. Did you know that too, Sabine?
1: No, but thank you for the defensive tone. Lorelai and I got out of Gimtarum very quickly after everything went down. I know Ravain. He offered us a place to stay down on the Tordun and Darrier border. but. No, I didn't know he had found an apartment. Good for him.
0: Okay, well, it looks like we're headed to his place as far as finding somewhere to regroup and figure out what we're doing next goes. So, can't wait to do this whole Gimtarum thing again. I remember it being very unpleasant last time. As the Banshee starts to sail close
1: to the dam that surrounds Gimtarum, Leo, roll me Perception. 26. The first thing you notice is that you remember the wall of this dam in front of Gimtarum and it peeking up over the water. What you don't remember from your last visit are the giant iron cannons lining the entire dam pointed outward.
2: Well, that doesn't look fun. No, no, it doesn't. As you sail closer, the cannons
1: all start to swivel to point towards the banshee.
2: Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh.
1: And with the 26, you see a little ferry boat zooming out from the dam and it draws up alongside the banshee. A guy in the ferry boat shouts up Names,
2: origins, and reasons for visiting. <laughs> oh, buddy, you got a couple hours? If he stomps on your foot. The
1: captain walks up to this guy and gives him just a dazzling smile. And the Pirate King of the Zephyr Isles, uh, this is, and he pauses for a second,
2: my crew and relatives, and we were hoping to, uh, shouldn't have said I was a pirate. And then Sabine from behind him says, okay, that's enough.
1: And she steps forward and she's going to cast Modify Memory. So I'm going to make a whiz save for this guy. It's a three on the die. That's not going to do it. Uh, So Sabine smiles oh so sweetly at this guy in the ferry boat and says, You didn't hear any of what my dumbass husband just said. We are a relief effort from Pearlport. Tasked with bringing provisions up as a gesture of goodwill from the conclave of the Zephyr Isles, and we managed to uh, get around the blockade using a fair amount of magical talent, which is why I and my Australian associates are here.
0: Leo looks over at Fee and Mouth's associates. Fee leans over and
1: says, "Would you have preferred girlfriend and girlfriend's annoying older brother?"
0: You didn't have to add the annoying in there. When
1: you're piping up during the process of her saving our asses to complain about her wording, yes I did. This guy down on the ferry boat nods and he says, You're a relief effort sent from Perilport." got it. And the ferry boat rose away. Sabine turns around from the railing, puts her hands together, and oh so sweetly to the captain says, Dear, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Just when we're in sensitive situations, shut the fuck up until someone asks you to come up with a lie, please. You're not very good at it. And the captain just shoots back, I'm fine at lying. I don't want to hear that shite from the woman who is convinced for, what was it, 15 years that I was some sort of brilliant, dastardly mastermind that was plotting against her for our entire marriage. And Sabine says, oh, you're never going to let that one go, huh? Fee beside you chimes in. Could you two not do this again? Like, we already covered this. Everybody simmer down. Sabine and the captain both cross their arms over the chests, and the captain says, I'm in a lot of pain.
0: Yeah, is that from the broken ribs or your shattered dignity, pal?
1: Sabine reaches out and gently, ever so lovingly, puts a hand on either side of the captain's face and says, I'm gonna try to be really constructive about this right now. I think... That sometimes, when we have plans, you decide, "Mm, I think you open your mouth before consulting with anyone else, and the things that come out of your mouth are not helpful to the plan and are going to get us all killed. So I think that perhaps you should ask for direction Or at least have a good lie prepared before you start saying things. And I love you a lot. And then she leans in, kisses him on the forehead and says, I'm going to leave this conversation now. And then she walks away.
0: Leo looks over at the captain with a shit-eating grin and goes, hey, how come your wife is so much cooler than you?
1: The captain glares at you. And then looks at Fee and says, Is this what that open and honest communication thing looks like? And Fee says, Unfortunately, yes. And the captain says, Right. I don't care for it. And the banshee continues sailing forward into the locks of Gimtaram. There is a shuddering rumble as the first lock goes and gets you further down into the city. And the captain says, Or this. Don't care for this at all. Never been to Gimtarum before? I was on a lot of pain medication. I was essentially comatose for most of the visit. Had a couple of things I needed to get off my chest. Anyway, ooh, that's that's a lot of rock that is above our heads right now. This is not going to be a fun trip for me. And Fee says Oh shit, are you claustrophobic? And the captain says, I'll put it this way. I don't like to be on the ground for long periods of time, much less under it. This is, this is... Okay. I'm going to go get drunk.
0: And then he walks away after Sabine. <laughs> hey, Fee. Hey, Fi, your love life is a fucking mess, buddy.
1: To be fair, they were trying to kill each other a couple weeks ago. This is a huge step up. And also... Not to get too vulgar about it, but I'm having a lot of fun when they're not doing this. And we're all really working on the open and honest communication thing,
0: too, since all of us are so extremely bad at it. Well, in the case of the latter, good for you. In the case of the former, Gross, let's just get today over with, please.
1: You continue going down the locks into Gimitarum.
0: Roll me a perception check. Fucking killing it with these perception checks today. 25.
1: As you move down into the city, the first thing you notice is that the flurry of activity at the docks that was going on the last time you were here is completely absent. There are a couple of people milling around, but like there aren't any of the weird street vendors calling out there aren't any of the people bumping into each other there isn't the huge bustle of activity that there was there are just kind of like dock workers milling about and it seems like doing patrols and maintenance on ships the second thing you notice is that the city is much darker than it was the last time you were here and with that 25 it's not everywhere, but there are a few of the businesses you can see as you get down like into the harbor to the actual docks that are just boarded up. It seems like boards across the windows, big closed signs. There's one that has a big condemned written across it. Things are not going well in Gimtarum, it seems.
0: As they're walking past all of the boarded-up buildings and empty streets, Leo kind of cuts his eyes sideways over at Fee. Okay, yeah, this has got to fucking stop. Yeah, this
1: is... This is worse than we thought it was.
0: I'm going to try to find our way to the address that Ravaine gave me. Do me a solid and just roll survival. Twenty-two. My dice are hot
1: today. All right. You find your way to the cross streets that Ravain mentioned without hassle. There are like a couple of apartment buildings near the streets that he mentioned. He couldn't give you a precise address because he was too busy yelling. So you knock on a few strangers doors. (laughs) But eventually you find yourself at the door of about the fourth apartment that you've tried and you knock on it, and you hear from inside, Oh, just a second! The door swings open, and you see a chubby young infernal elf woman, blue skin, spiraling horns. Verity, standing at the door, looks past you at feet, and yells, Ferora! You're here! And just sprints past you.
0: Why do I feel like my reception is not going to be half as enthusiastic? From inside the apartment, a voice says,
1: yeah, obviously not. I thought you were dead for a year. And Ravain is standing in a doorway inside the apartment, wearing an apron that says kiss the cook on it and holding a bowl of something with his long fluted ears twitching irritably. All right. Get in. <sighs>
0: yeah, okay. Leo, with his head hung very low, walks into the apartment. <laughs> Fi, your brother disappears into this apartment, and you find yourself unable to follow because you have an extremely enthusiastic Verity Clutched in a vice grip Around your body Just babbling as fast as she can go Oh my gosh, I missed you so much We have so much to catch up on I am so excited that you're here Please come inside I will make you food Well, Ravain will make you food Because I tried to make food a couple times And then I started burning things And then he told me I wasn't allowed to make food anymore But anyway, welcome home!
2: Verity? Yes? Slow down Okay.
0: She gives you one last really tight squeeze, and then untangles herself from around you, and takes a few steps back. At that point, Sabine swoops in and gives her a really big hug, and then gets two hands on her shoulders, pulls her back, gives her the once-over to make sure she's okay, and then darts in and kisses her on both cheeks. Hi, sweetie, how are you doing? She brightens up all over again. Oh, I'm really good. We're having a really great time. Well, I mean, we're not having a great time. You know, there's a war on and everything. And also, people are being really mean to Australians right now. And Sabine goes, Verity?
2: Verity says, yeah? Sabine says, slow down. Okay.
0: And in the background of all of this, the captain is swaying slowly on his feet, extremely drunk. He raises one wobbling hand. Top of the morning to you, lass!
2: I'm the captain. Uh, I'm Sabine's husband and Fee's boyfriend, apparently. It's all a little, uh, up in the air right
0: now. Verity doesn't even blink. She just looks back and forth between the three of you, nods enthusiastically, and goes, Oh, that's great! Please come in!
1: Yeah, in we go. Uh, I am towing the captain along by the elbow.
0: He is not very steady on his feet. You can't tell how much of it is sea legs versus how much of it is that he is just so hammered. But... You all do make your way into this very nice, pretty modest living room of this little apartment. As soon as you're inside, Verity rounds on the captain and does a very stilted and clearly unpracticed Australian greeting bow and goes, Hi, I'm Verity, when's your birthday? Oh no. The captain has told her his
2: birthday before you can stop him. Verity frowns and goes, Okay, and you are...
0: The captain wobbles a little bit more. 160! Oh, shite, 161! It's uh, Yeah, The time. Time's an illusion. Her eyes get even wider, and she starts doing the mental math that you've seen her do before. <laughs> oh my goodness, you really put a lot of effort into this whole devil-may-care attitude thing, but... The fact of the matter is that you care so much about what everyone thinks of you all the time, don't you? Okay,
1: hey, where's Arave? Haven't seen her in a while.
0: The captain takes two staggering steps back towards the door, points at Verity, and goes, I don't like this one. We're having
1: a great time. Everything's great. Verity, uh, let's talk one-on-one, you and me. Let's have a conversation. What's been up with you? Okay! Regret, regret, instant regret.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She reaches out and just gets you by the front of your outfit and pulls you off. I've been awesome! I have a boyfriend now, and I help pay rent on an apartment! My mom told me I could never make it in the outside world, but look at me now! I have a job!
2: What? What do you what is your job, Verity? I'm fascinated. I'm a waitress at a tea shop with your mom, actually. My oh. Oh, good. How hmm. Mm. <laughs>
1: Fee reaches up to touch the base of her throat and then puts both hands behind her back and clenches their fists really hard. Great! How- how is Allure? How's she doing? Everything good?
0: Well, I mean, not great. The tea shop did close down because of the trade embargoes.
2: But we're getting great unemployment benefits.
1: This conversation has been way less cheerful than I expected it to be. Wow!
0: Seriously, have you seen Aravay? Oh yeah, I mean, Aravay lives with us, so she's probably out back taking care of Phineas right now. Great fresh
1: air. Let's—we should go outside. I think it would be great if we went outside. Verity, come outside
0: with me. Okay. Verity gets you by the hand and pulls you through this cozy little kitchen out through a back door into what looks like it should be a courtyard, but is mostly just an open patch of land with a. Big mound of earth in the background. She slams the door behind her with her foot and starts tugging you across this yard. So the thing was according to everybody else in the building, the courtyard was supposed to be redone like six years ago, but the landlord just didn't do it. So I had a mold earth spell and made Phineas a little house and. Uh, We just told the landscaping guys when they came by that they didn't have to come anymore because he's kind of our lawnmower now, and nobody's asking any questions. So it's all working out okay. Ereveh should probably be over here. Come on.
1: Great, great. Houses for Phineas. I love all of this. Uh, (laughs) And then I'm going to hurry
0: over to the Mound of Earth. Verity tugs you around one side of this big, pretty clearly artificially constructed mound of earth and behind it, you see a young Australian elven woman, dark skin, dark eyes, long silver hair done up in several small braids and a high ponytail on top of her head, tending to Fee, the last time you saw Phineas, he was a baby deer, and he was very very big, he was about the size of a quarter horse. You are now looking at A full-grown elk with a big rack of antlers that is the size of a goddamn elephant. Phineas sees you before Arave does, and he bolts past her and crashes down to his knees in front of you, licks your face, it is disgusting, you are dripping with deer spit.
1: Ugh hi phineas who's a good boy i'm gonna grab as much of his face as i can get in my hands
0: at that point arave turns around sees you lifts her big steampunk type goggles up off of her eyes and onto her forehead and goes well i'll be damned my hypothesis was wrong and i owe ravine
2: 50 gold you're alive
1: Not sure how I feel about my friend betting money against my survival, but it's good to
0: see you too. I mean, you disappeared into an unstable portal, and we didn't hear from you again for a year. Phineas, get over here! And she snaps at him. He puts his head down and trots back over behind this big mound of earth and starts munching at some grass. At any rate, I don't want to ask much more about what you've been up to, because I don't want to overvane more money. But I take it that everything's going well.
1: (laughs) No. I'm getting along with my brother now, which is something. And I have a new boyfriend and also a girlfriend. So that's nice. But otherwise, the world is a massive garbage fire. And I'm just shoveling more shit onto it, it seems, every single day.
0: Arave raises both eyebrows at you from behind her goggles, and then goes right back to situating Phineas's food and nest for the night. Understandable. I have also been trying to figure out my way through the world being an irreparable garbage fire, and it hasn't been ending up super well for me. But, you know, at least I've got the garden handled.
1: I
2: missed you so much. She grins and goes, Missed you too. And pulls you into a big, tight hug. Whoa, physical contact. Okay. Yeah, hug Arave.
1: She's gonna look over at Verity and say, No offense intended, and then turn back to Arave and say, But I need the short, sweet, and understandable answer to this next question. What the fuck is going on with Fen and Kalesa? Because I know they're not in Giptarum.
0: Oh, yeah, about that. After everything went down on the mountaintop, I was consulted for my professional opinion as the resident portal expert, and I provided my professional opinion, which was that you were both dead, and Kalesa panicked, and as soon as we were down the mountain, she got in touch with her father. Oh no. Exactly. After which, she was summoned to the Australian Consulate in Volder proper, and we haven't heard from her or Fen in several months. You haven't heard from either of them in months, and
1: you're not worried? Eh,
0: not really. Kalesa can undoubtedly handle herself, and Fen is almost assuredly under Kalesa's care.
1: Sure, why not? I'll figure out how to get in touch with them. I'm very stubborn, Klesa can't ignore me forever. Right, cool, glad we're caught up on that. Uh, any other wild changes to the status quo that I should know about?
0: Ah, yes, if you haven't figured out, there is a massive Australian naval blockade set up all along the coast of Vogvolder.
2: Thank you, (laughs) Aravay. Leo. Ravaine stares at
1: Verity very fondly as she rapid-fire tries to catch Fee up on everything. And then as soon as she is out of his eyeline, he snaps one finger to point at you. And you! Go sit in the kitchen.
2: Now. I'm gonna go wherever he tells me to. I feel
1: like I'm in trouble. You walk into this little kitchen. There's not a lot of space to move around. There's like Enough space for one and a half people to walk in between sets of counters. And on the far side of it, there is a little card table with a couple of folding chairs. Ravain points at the
2: table and says, sit down. I sit down. There is an awkward pause. And then you
1: hear a scratching, scrabbling sound of like nails on wood. And you hear from further into the apartment Selika's voice go, All right, all right, you can go out there. A door opens, and there's the sound of something clicking across the floor. And into the kitchen runs this big skeletal wolf. He does not have a tongue, but if he did, it would be lolling out of his head. Dexter runs right up to where you're sitting, and his horrible, horrible little bone feet Go up and land on your legs.
2: <laughs>
1: Dexter?
0: Hey, buddy, how are you? I missed you too. Leo fully bursts into tears and does his best to pull Dexter up into his lap. He's like crying over the bone dog and scratching him behind his non-existent ears.
1: Dexter does not give you kisses because he does not have a tongue but there is the awful, awful feeling of bone against the skin on your face as he nuzzles against your cheek.
0: Oh, who's a good boy? You're a good boy! You've been waiting for me all this time? Leo stops, blinks, and looks over at Ravain. Wait, have you been keeping him animated? Because he's brought up from an animate dead spell.
1: Ravain stops what he's doing, turns around at the stove, and says, Yes, I've been keeping the dog animated. He's a good boy.
2: He is a good boy, aren't you, Dexter? Leo
0: rattles his fingers along Dexter's ribs horribly.
1: Dexter gives a ghostly little bark. It echoes very strangely. From the same door that he came in through, Celica swings around the doorframe. She was very clearly going to bed, She is wearing a bathrobe and a bonnet. She is, like, two steps away from just going under her comforter for the night. She looks at Ravaine. Her ears also twitch a little bit. And she says, What's going? And then she sees you, frowns,
2: and says, Right. Hi, Celica. I regret to inform you that I'm back.
1: Good to see you're alive. And she looks back at Ravane, who is, again, visibly annoyed as he's stirring something on the stove. She grimaces, and she goes, Don't envy you this conversation.
0: Thanks for the input. Is Talindra around for me to make reintroductions, or would she just prefer to not talk to me?
1: You watch her stance kind of shift in that very familiar way, and Talindra says, Oh, you're not interested in hearing what I have to say and also having this conversation with Ravain. She nods back at Ravain and she says, We're
2: going to bed. Uh, good luck with
1: this, sweetie.
0: Killed a whole lot of Australian pirates. Thought of you while I was doing it. Good night. She gives you kind of a mocking
1: two-finger salute and then swans back off. Ravain stops what he's doing, turns around, goes, Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. First off, let's start with the fact that I thought you were dead for a year and you didn't reach out to me.
0: Well, first of all, we got zapped halfway across the world. We ended up in Oskaya, not sure if you're familiar with the area. Almost immediately after that, I had a pretty dramatic falling out with my god that resulted in my magical powers being something I couldn't access for quite a while. A lot of shit happened. I almost died twice, got very, very extremely sick with something called swamp fever, which was highly unpleasant, and then got on the bad side of a crag cat, but you can see that, and Leo kind of waves at where he has the big scar across his face.
2: Yeah, you look like shit.
0: I feel like shit. Thanks for noticing. The haircut was, uh, a choice. It really wasn't. Everything from the shoulders down was soaked in pond scum. I don't have time to catch you up on all of that. But at any rate, before my magic got turned off for several months, I sent a sending spell to Zed to tell him I was alive. Did he not tell you? Uh, after we all came to the conclusion that you were
1: probably dead, Zed ghosted me for a few hours. And then broke into my room at the inn, looking like he had fist fought a liquor store, and said something about you being alive, but I honestly just thought
2: he was drunk. He was drunk.
0: And I was alive.
2: What? <sighs> Ravain, what happened with Sed? <laughs> uh, you're asking the wrong
1: person. I've been trying to keep in touch with him, he hasn't gotten back to me in months.
2: That doesn't sound like him. Maybe not to you.
0: After we landed in Oskaya, I used the last magic that I had available to fire off a sending spell and tell him that I was sorry and not to wait up. And then he told me to fuck off. Which... Honestly, I probably deserved, so I would prefer to not talk about me anymore. How have you been? What's been going on, Ravain? He kind of puts the wooden spoon in his
1: hand down on the counter and just leans up backwards against the stove and goes, Ah, uh, we got this place a couple months after we thought you died. verdi has been staying with me. So has Aravay. Um, Oh, you don't know. Verity or Aravay, your sister's friends. I got a job at uh, the university library, and that's been good. It's been paying the rent. I've never had to pay rent before. Uh, The city's a nightmare. No one should live here. I'm sorry, and
0: congratulations?
1: It's fine. Verity was also working at a tea shop for a while, and then that fell through because of the trade embargoes, and so it's mostly just been the library job uh and also celica and he like does exaggerated air quotes is part of a tennis club where she goes out for drinks with some of the older ladies there and they pay her to go for drinks with them i haven't asked too many questions about the arrangement
0: Ravane, speaking very confidently, as someone who has had a sugar daddy before, I know exactly what the arrangement is.
1: Yeah, but if I don't ask questions, then I can just delude myself into thinking that it's innocent. Which is the more comfortable option for me, because she is basically my mom.
0: And I can understand and appreciate that. Also, back to the situation at hand, I realize... Just how hard I am imposing right now. I did bring the Pirate King of the Zephyr Isles into your home. I forgot to mention that. He's the very loud, drunk redhead in the living room.
1: From the living room, you hear, belligerently drunk. The captain says, I'm not drunk.
0: That's the captain. He's a very dear friend. I want to kill him on a daily basis. <laughs> you met Sabine on a combat level. That's his wife and Fee's girlfriend. It's complicated. <laughs> all of this is complicated. Frankly, Ravain, I have been on a boat getting violently seasick for most of the last year of my life. Now that I am back on solid ground and still figuring out my next steps, I would love to get a drink. Is there anywhere I could get a drink around here?
1: Yeah, a drink. A drink would be. And then he stops, puts his head in his hands, and says, Oh, I was just making dinner. It was supposed to be a normal night. Why does this always happen? Why are my friends like this?
0: It would seem that you chose to be friends with the wrong people. I missed you.
1: I missed you, too. It's not that I'm not glad you're back. I'm just really
2: annoyed. Can we just- can we hug it out for a second? I really need this. Yeah. He gives you a big hug.
0: Leo hugs him back super hard and kind of bats Dexter away when he tries to get into it, I'm sure. So, Bars, what's the situation with the blockade? We're trying to stop that. That's the whole purpose of us being back.
1: Uh, half the town's shut down for lack of supply. There are a couple of holes in the walls we could probably go to. I mean, if you're okay drinking Volduran Moonshine.
0: I've been drinking Zephyr Isle's rum for the past six months. I can drink anything.
1: Yeah, let's- let's go. I- oh, dinner's gonna be fucked. Um, we'll get takeout. Takeout's good. Gotta support local businesses. Alright, let's go get the girls. Dexter, go to bed. Go lay down. Dexter whines pitifully and then
2: starts trotting off down the hallway. Thank you. For keeping him up for me, by the way. I missed him too. Yeah, well, I'm a big softy. Let's go.
0: Fee, you're standing out in this back corner of the yard with Verity and Aravae and Phineas when your brother and someone you've met before but not been introduced to come walking out across the yard. Leo leads the charge over to the three of you, followed by this very stocky, almost elvish-looking dude. Dark, kind of dappled skin, very dark eyes, long, deer-like ears. They both walk over, and Leo goes, Alright, so we're all going to a bar, because that's what we all need right now.
1: Uh... I don't know if all of us need that. The captain's already pretty plastered. Are he and Sabine? Did you talk to them?
0: We'll bring them with us. I'll take on babysitting duty. I just need to not be here where people are judging me.
2: I- Hmm. Fee goes to say something mean and then stops herself. Right. Bar. Bar sounds good. Let's do
1: that.
0: You guys go back through the apartment. Leo collects the captain and Sabine. The captain seems very enthusiastic about going to a bar, and Sabine seems... tired.
1: I'm gonna hold Sabine's hand on the walk to the bar.
2: As Leo is
0: walking, he kind of reaches out and grabs you by your sleeve. Alright, so, not sure how much you know. I know that Kalesa and Fen are MIA. They're not in Gemtarum, but apparently alive.
1: Uh, they're in Vildur, according to Erve.
0: <sighs> Great, so we have another stop on our travel itinerary, it would seem.
1: What else do we need to do here? The only other thing I can think to do is visit my mother, and I'm not going to do that.
0: I found everybody I need to find. I say we pack up anybody willing to go with us and make for the capital.
1: And then we round up Fenn and Glessa, and we figure out how to stop
2: all this, I guess. Sounds like a good plan. Also
0: sounds like a plan I am super not willing to discuss right now.
2: Fair enough. Fee loops her elbow through his and says, To the bar! To the
0: fucking bar! And from a few paces behind you, you hear the captain very enthusiastically go, To the bar! And then Sabine goes, "Shh!"
1: Fee
2: points at him over her shoulder and says, You are not drinking anymore tonight. The rest of us, however, let's go. So,
1: you all find yourself at a pretty run-down Bar. There aren't a lot of places open in Gimtarum anymore. You remember it being kind of a party city the last time you were here, and it is no longer that. But you manage to find a bar that's open. You sit down with a couple drinks. Ereve and Verity are both chatting away to Fee, Sabine and the captain are canoodling in a booth when you hear the distinct sound of a body smashing through a table and a very familiar, boisterous, slightly unhinged
2: laugh. (laughs) All right, boys. Do you turn around? Yes, against my better judgment.
1: In the year since you've last seen him, Zed has grown out his undercut a bit. It looks still pretty bad. And gotten a new eyebrow piercing. And he is cracking his knuckles, standing over a guy that he just suplexed into a table, it seems like. Fellas, if you wanted to party, you could have just said so. I'm going to go ahead and roll initiative for Zed and the friends of the guy that he just suplexed into the table.
2: What are you doing?
0: That's going to depend on how high Zed rolls on
2: initiative. Fair enough.
1: Ha! Uh, Zed rolled a nat 20, which means that he gets a surprise round. As he straightens up from where he just suplexed this guy. Zed's going to do what Zed does best and just really punch this dude. He's going to make three attacks with Flurry of Blows. So the lowest of those was a 25. So those are all certainly going to hit. So Zed's damage die on his unarmed strikes is a d8 now. So 3d8 plus 5 each is 15. So that's... 16 plus 15, that's going to be 31 damage on one of these guys. And that was just his surprise round from rolling it at 20, so he's going to swing on the other guy. The lowest of those was a 16, so that also is certainly going to hit as he lashes out at the other guy that's coming up on him. Not as good that time. Uh, That's... 19 damage on the other guy. Zed is just laughing as he swings at these guys. He beats this one guy's face into hamburger and then turns on the other one, straightens his shoulders, goes, (laughs) I'd say this doesn't have to get ugly, pal, but, uh, well, I'm looking at you. And then he goes in for three more attacks. Uh, and that is going to be both of his turns to start the initiative off. So, we go to the guy whose face he just pounded the shit out of, who is going to make two scimitar attacks.
2: Uh, Do you want to go ahead and roll initiative for me, bud? What are you doing? No, he said he didn't want me. I'm just gonna watch. Oh, okay. One of these guys
1: swings a scimitar twice at Zed, misses both times. And then this first guy is also going to make a dagger attack because he gets to do that. But that one's a 24 and that is going to hit. So this guy swings a scimitar at Zed twice, misses both times. Zed laughs tauntingly and goes, come on, at least try and make it fun. And then this guy pulls a dagger out of seemingly nowhere and stabs him for... Seven damage. And then it's the other guy's turn. And he is going to do the same thing. Two scimitar attacks and one dagger attack. And none of those are going to hit. The second guy swings blindly three times. Misses every single time. Zed just kind of dodges out of the way of these blades that are swinging at him. One hand going to where this other guy just slashed him across the arm. He goes. (sighs) And you watch him crack his neck again, and roll Insight for me.
0: That 20, so that's a 28.
1: You watch as Zed lifts one hand to touch of this gash on his arm, and then brings it away, shakes some of the blood off of his fingers. His hand is trembling a little bit, but his smile is ferocious and unhinged and furious. Well, If we're playing like that. And then he is going to swing on the guy that slashed him. That's three attacks and only one of them is going to hit. He steps up on this guy. He stumbles a little bit. Swings once. Misses. Swings again. Misses. Swings a third time and just barely hits. Does six damage. And then... All three of these guys are gonna go. They are all gonna roll two scimitar attacks and a dagger attack. So, first one. One of those is gonna hit. That's gonna be a scimitar attack. Five damage for Zed. Second guy. Woofs it on all three. Zed dodges out of the way of both of these scimitar swings, and as the guy goes in with the dagger, he ducks. And uses one of his new features called Tipsy Sway to make that dagger attack hit the other guy that is behind him for seven damage. And then it is the third guy's turn. He has not gone yet because he rolled that Nat 1 initiative. He stands up from this broken table that Zed suplexed him onto and he's going to roll three attacks. huh <gasps> This guy stands up from the table, Zed's facing away from him, engaged with the other guys. And he swings twice with the scimitar, once with the dagger. The first scimitar hit, he just opens up a huge gash across Zed's back for a whopping 14 damage. Zed whips around just in time to catch the scimitar's backswing right across the arm for another six damage. And then this guy goes in with the dagger for another seven damage. So that is a total of 27 damage to Zed in that round.
0: Can I roll initiative now? Yes,
1: you can.
0: 23. So I'm right under Zed. (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) Shut up! Yeah, yeah. Shut up!
1: You still riding that nat 20 insight check watch the levity drain out of zed's face as he sets his jaw and turns around to face this guy that he threw into the table that just did 27 damage to him and he's gonna go ahead and use another key point for flurry of blows and punch this guy a whole lot he also rolled a nat 20 only two of those are gonna hit but he is still gonna roll 3d8 for his damage So that's 10 plus 10 because he hit twice, so 20 damage. His first swing goes wide. The guy ducks under it, and he just delivers the most ferocious uppercut you've ever seen. Right to the jaw, sends the guy stumbling, and then goes after him and clocks him across the face a second time. And then it is your turn.
0: I don't know if anyone else in our group has picked up on what's going on by now, but if they have, I'm going to stand up from the table, brush my clothes off very demurely, and look around at all of them and say, please just let me handle this. I don't think any of them turned at the noise that was going on,
1: because I think they just kind of wrote it off as a regular bar fight, but as you say that, everybody turns you watch Ravain's eyes go very wide, and he just looks into his drink like it has the answers to the universe. And he says, "Yep, go ahead. I'm, I'm not stepping in on this one." Fee looks over, goes, "Ooh," and then says, "Do what you need to do. That's fine." And you, do what you need to do. Which one of these
0: guys is looking the most injured? The first one in the initiative who is on Zed's left. I'm going to throw my knife at him. I'd like to try to immobilize him. I don't want to do lethal damage.
1: Okay, roll a ranged attack.
0: (laughs) 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 That's a nat 20. Yeah, dude. (laughs) I'm going to try to just pin him to the wall behind Zed, and I guess I'm going to be rolling 2d6 plus 5 damage. So that's 12 damage. Leo stands up, brushes off the front of his armor, throws Kimroll's blade across the room and pins this guy's hand to the wall behind his head and then uses his bonus action to zap the knife back into his hand. Over the sound of this bar fight, he swallows the lump in his throat and goes, (laughs) A bar fight! Mr. Stonebloom, you and I really have to stop meeting like this.
1: I'm gonna roll a whiz save for Zed to see if he takes actions this next turn. That's a seven. Your knife goes through the air, pins this guy's hand to the wall. He screams very loudly, blood-curdlingly. And Zed looks at the knife, looks back at you as you start talking, and you watch him stumble and blink a couple times. There is no trace
2: of humor in his face. Yeah, there's no trace of humor in mine either. This first guy's action is
1: going to be to respond to the fact that you just threw a knife through his hand and run up on you and make three attacks on you.
2: Oh! Oh! (laughs) Why?
1: So two of those are going to hit, one's a nat 20. I'm going to be extremely kind to Leo and say that the nat 20 was his dagger attack. So he lashes out with the scimitar, misses, and then lashes out again with the scimitar, hits. And while you're kind of stumbling back from that, he goes in with a dagger and does a total of four damage for the scimitar and ten for the dagger. And now it's the second guy who is still up on Zed. Three attacks. One of those is going to hit, so does four damage to Zed, which is good. Um, Zed does not use his reaction on either of the hits that missed. And then it's the third guy who's also still up on Zed,
2: and it's also going to make three attacks. One of those is going to hit, just barely.
1: Zed takes another four damage. And again, does not use his reaction on either of the hits that miss. He is staring at you from across the bar, looking haunted. And it's back up to him, and because he rolled that seven,
2: he is not going to do anything.
0: So it's my turn then, right?
2: Yep. I have a DM question for you. Uh, Yes?
0: I have a spell called Incite Greed that calls materially for a gem worth at least 50 gold pieces. I only have one diamond to use for a revivify spell, and I don't want to use that because I'm planning to leave it behind. If I can produce something by virtue of its rarity and quality that is worth 50 gold, can I use that instead?
2: I don't see why not...
0: I pull out one of the bars of soap that I got from this one back in Oskaya, (laughs) and I hold it out in my hand using my free hand that has Kimrel's blade in it to cast (laughs) Incite Greed. Hey, hey fellas. I get that this is a fraught situation. You're probably in dire straits financially. I just have one
2: question for you. Have you ever wanted to be your own boss? It's going to be a DC 16 whiz save for all of them. (laughs) Okay. They all get plus zeros. (laughs) So let's see.
1: Uh, One of them succeeded. He rolled a nat 20. The other two rolled a 15 and a nine. So they fail.
0: Okay, so the ones that failed, all they can do is move towards the bar of soap, which I sit down on the nearest table. And then I'm going to use my bonus action to make a short sword attack on the one that succeeded.
1: Yeah, that's going to be the guy right in front of you. Go ahead. 21. That's absolutely going to hit. Go ahead. 7. This guy is on the goddamn edge, but he is still up, and it's his turn next, so he's going to make three attacks on you. First scimitar attack hits, second one does not hit, dagger attack, was a nat 20 again. God
0: damn!
1: (laughs) I what's the opposite of 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 punishing my dice for bad rolls? How do I punish my dice for good rolls? Um okay. <laughs> so that's going to be a total of 16 damage. And both of this guy's buddies have to burn their turns trying to save out of your insight greed spell. That's a 4, that's not going to do it. And that's a 7, that's also not going to do it. It's Zed's turn. He shakes his head, straightens up, and darts across the room to make some attacks on the guy in front of you. So, first one, not gonna hit. Flurry of blows, second one is gonna hit, and he can't mechanically roll low enough that he's not gonna knock this guy out. This guy is raising his scimitar to make another attack at you, and Zed clocks him in the back of the head. He goes down like a sack of bricks. His buddies are admiring
0: your soap. Actually, you know, when you use my referral code for this new franchising opportunity that I'm pioneering, you're going to get a percentage off of your first shipment of inventory, which is really going to help you in the long run. I reach up and grab Zed by the back of the vest and haul him out the front door of the bar.
1: Are you saying anything to your friends as you haul Zed out of the
0: bar? No, I only have one minute's concentration on that inside Greed spell. I'm just getting him out of the situation as fast as I can.
1: Zed allows himself to be towed out of the bar.
0: I'm gonna hit him with a Cure Wounds at 5th level. So that's 39 hit points that Zed gets back. Leo reaches up, hand shaking, and presses his palm to the side of his face.
2: You really gotta learn how to pick your battles.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, wouldn't count on that happening,
0: boss. Leo pulls his hand away. It's still shaking. Yeah, don't know why I bother. Um, but I guess neither of us are that great at listening. I know you told me to fuck off, but. He interrupts you. He goes, I say a lot of stupid shit.
1: It's the... Kind of all I got going for me. He's gonna try and kiss you.
0: Oh yeah, Leo kisses him back, no question. He does a lot of talking about wanting to go home, but I don't think he's ever really honestly felt what coming home feels like until now. He has been stomping down an absolute... Breakdown for the last year Because he hasn't felt safe enough to have it And as soon as he pulls back From Zed, he just starts Breaking (sighs) I I thought you didn't want me, I was thousands of miles away and I was trying so hard just to get back and I thought you didn't want me and I almost died so many times V actually did die and the world's fucking going to shit and I'm the one that has to fix it and I thought you didn't want me he's got his hands fisted up in his hair and is just curled into Zed's chest looking for something stable to keep him upright
1: hey whoa He reaches out and grabs your shoulders and kind of pushes you back a little bit. Sorry, I just... I I need... I need a second to think. I'm, I'm... Go ahead and roll Insight for me.
0: 26.
1: You notice as he, like, pushes back from you, Zed looks... Off. he wavers a little bit as he's pushing you back chewing on his lower lip for a second very uncertain he pulls his hands off of your shoulders and does that nervous gesture that you noticed from right before you went to visit his mom where he just like scratches at the inside of his arm he notices you noticing that and meets eyes with you for a second and his pupils are just blown. Zed is fucked up right now.
0: I'll do anything I have to do. I'll roll a whiz save or whatever you want. I need to stomp this panic attack down and put it away.
1: Yeah, roll me a whiz save. 14. That'll do it.
0: Leo's in the grip of this absolutely awful panic attack, and realizes what's going on, and that Zed is fucking high right now, and just shoves it down as hard as he can. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't don't mean to-
2: (sighs) Oh god. Oh, sad honey. I'm good. I'm just give me a second.
0: <sighs> yeah, Leo is on a razor's edge psychologically right now, but it's his turn to be the strong one. He's just gonna keep it together as best he can.
2: No, I I don't think you are good. Let's get you home, okay? Can you show me how to get you home? I. <sighs>
1: He makes a frustrated noise and just brings one hand up to rake back through his hair. Nods to himself. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. And he just starts walking off.
0: I'm gonna follow him. I'm firing off a sending message to Fee as I go. The message says, I talked to Zed. Things are worse than I thought. Get us a room. I won't be back tonight. I'll explain more in the morning.
1: He sends a message back that says, Will do. Stay safe. Shoot me a sending in the morning so I know you're okay.
0: Okay, and then I'm gonna try to get Zed
2: back to wherever he's staying. He leads you through the streets
1: easily. You get the feeling that the walk to and from this bar is one that he takes a lot. A few streets down to a kind of run-down-looking apartment building. Up the stairs to a door. Kind of fumbles with his keys in the lock for a second. Makes another one of those deep, frustrated noises. Shoulder checks the door open. It's a very sparsely furnished apartment, which tracks with... The way that Zed kind of deals with spaces that he's in. He doesn't like to have shit, like, lying around. He keeps things pretty compact. He walks in, immediately kicks a piece of furniture by accident, goes, Shit! And then turns around to you and says, Alright, keep it down. My roommate's sleeping. And then navigates around the room to a door in a little hallway. You see a couple things around. You see, like, a sword and a shield leaning up against a wall. You see somebody's chained shirt slung over a chair. Things that you would assume belong to the roommate in question. Zed shoulder checks this other the door open, and leads you into an, if possible, even more sparsely furnished room. The contents of this room are just a bed and Zed's duffel bag.
2: And he just more falls onto the bed than sits on it, and just puts his head in his hands for a second.
0: Leo, still looking and feeling very fragile, goes and sits down on the edge of the bed.
1: As you sit down, Zed takes a deep breath, straightens up, and then plasters on a very fake crooked smile, reaches out for you and says, Here, come here.
0: Leo's just gonna put his head on Zed's shoulder and try to keep his breathing under control and reach down and grab his hand.
1: Zed's gonna try and kiss you again.
0: Before that can happen, Leo just inclines his head forward so that instead their foreheads are pressed together very tightly. Not like this. We'll talk about it in the morning, okay? I promise I'm gonna be here in the morning. Again, just that
1: big fake smile. Nah, I'm I'm good. I can. (laughs) What? You don't want me?
0: Zed, if you are fucked up enough right now to be throwing my own words back in my face, number one, you don't need to be pursuing this course of action. And number two, I'll play that game with you. You don't want to do something stupid right now. Go to bed.
1: He reels back like you have punched him in the face. (laughs) He just reaches one hand up, scrubs it over his mouth, goes, Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, right, I'm gonna. And he very carefully lays down, back to you.
0: Leo gets off the bed, sits down on the floor at the head of the bed where Zed is laying down, and tugs over the duffel bag to use as a pillow, I guess. He's gonna wait until Zed passes out. I don't know what I'd have to roll to figure out if he's asleep. And perception. well, perception. That was a natural fucking one, but it's a nine. You th- think Zed passes out pretty quickly. I'd like to cast silence on the bedroom. Leo zaps Kimrel's blade back out of his holster, throws up this silent spell in the room, and then zaps it back in. He's still trying really hard to just breathe and keep himself together. And just to test the spell, kind of shake Lee goes, Hey, Zed. You
1: cannot hear yourself. <laughs>
0: and he just cries until he is unconscious fully lets that panic attack back out and just cries himself into his trance
1: as you are like about to pass out you feel a hand bump against your back in a way that almost reads as accidental and you're out That's where we're going to end this week.
0: I take back everything that I have said in our conversations about missing Zed and wanting Zed back. This was awful. Hey, Zed's back. This is my supervillain origin story, which we will see more of next time. On Compelled Duel. Hey everybody, Barry here with the Postscript, just clearing up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode. We have lots of cool stuff going down on our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok, Dual. You can also find us on TikTok, audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. We also have lots of other cool stuff, including an official Spotify account, an official website. You can find all of that stuff linked on our social media pages. If you're liking what you're hearing so far on Compelled Duel and you want to consider supporting the podcast, we ask that you head on over to Patreon.com slash Compel Duel, where starting at just $2 a month, you can get access to all kinds of cool perks, including but not limited to early access to new episodes, access to exclusive playlists, even handwritten, wax-sealed letters from your favorite character every month. Speaking of Patreon, we would like to thank our newest patron, Kip. Thank you so much for your support. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast in ways other than pledging to the Patreon, we ask that if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you leave us a rating and a review over there since that helps get the show boosted and promoted to a wider listener base. We do have a weekly Q&A over on our YouTube channel, so if you subscribe to us on YouTube, you can make sure you never miss that. It's a really fun time. We answer your questions about the podcast. We just generally have fun. We'd love to see you there sometime. And as always, if you're liking what you hear so far, we ask that you just tell a couple friends about the show, because word-of-mouth advertising is the best asset that we have going for us right now. And if they like it, ask them to tell a couple friends. Episode 19 will be going live on Friday, October 15th, 2021, or if you are a member of our Patreon, you'll be getting early access on Thursday, October 14th. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time.